Hello and welcome to Stringer Podcast number 16. 16! A number my generation might remember as being worn by the infamous Darcy Tucker on the Toronto Maple Leafs or by the amount of Transformers movies Michael Bay will no doubt create, one of which I thought was groundbreaking. We're excited to welcome Matt Sharp onto the podcast from DaringBoy.com. He's an unbelievable artist, designer, he and I teamed up a couple years ago for the key art on a television show I was working with. That's when we first met. We realized we had a mutual friend. You'll hear all about this in the podcast, but he's a really rad dude. And we speak about creating your own things and kind of just taking that next step for me, for him, for anyone listening. It's a pretty good chat at Daring Sharp on Twitter, at Daring Sharp on Instagram. Pretty easy to remember. Before we get to Matt... It's time for the Stringer Big Weekend. Weekend's almost here. It's springtime. Sun is coming out. It's getting a little bit warmer. So what will we get up to this weekend? Friday, March 23rd, Second City House Company. 8 p.m. at the John Candy Box Theater, 99 Blue Jays Way on the third floor. Get this. Second City has expanded its improv wings to bring you a new group here to make us laugh. The Second City House Company is a new show every Friday night, essentially Toronto's own Friday Night Live. Right? Pretty much, except tickets are only $8. And as if this needs to be actually mentioned, but it's in my notes, the John Candy Box Theater has a liquor license. So, uh, yeah, important info heading into the weekend. You are allowed to drink and laugh. That's Friday night on Saturday, March 24th. It's the Nerd Market. It starts at noon at 252 Bloor Street West, room 2214, only steps from St. George Subway. It's a nerdy flea market to buy, swap, and sell geeky goods. Bring used anime, comics, manga, tabletop games, video games, cosplay, and Japanese fashion to sell in a garage sale type setting. Entrance is free. There isn't a website, but we'll share the event on Twitter or Facebook so you can check it out from there. But a nerdy flea market. I'm going to try and get my cosplay game on. Having just gotten out of Comic-Con last week, I think I can... I can definitely, you know, maybe molder it up. Maybe I'll take my new Autobot head helmet that I got and build out of that. But a nerdy flea market, pretty exciting. Now, not sure if I've ever expressed this, but if you met me, then no doubt you'll know I'm a huge fan of old shit. Old books, old photos, old people. I love old people. Who doesn't love old people? That's why studies have added Artscape, Witchwood Barnes is a perfect one for me. Old paper, antique photography, vintage books, every conceivable type of vintage printed material all under one roof at the old book and paper show. 10 to 4, 601 Christie Street. That's what you're going to do on Sunday. It's being promoted as the biggest one-day vintage print sale of the year. So hit me up if you're going. We'll turn over the old Model T and cruise down together. That's it. Huge weekend ahead. Am I going to see you at all? Let me know at Chancellor at Twitter. Or if you have something you want to promote, if you have something that's coming up, hit us up at Stringer Podcast on Twitter or email us podcast at the stringers, that's stringers with a Z or Z if you're south of the border, dot com. Whoo, I went through that quickly. My mouth is a little dry. I need some water, which means I got to let you get to the podcast. Matt Sharp is on the podcast at Daring Boy again on Twitter and Instagram. It's a whole lot of fun. 
and he was excited for this, and I want to let him say it, but he's gone now. Dylan, cue the sax. after the acquisition or was this something that was always in play? No, so, oh, how much do you know? So, I don't work for MLC anymore. I know that. Okay, yeah. you know that. So this stuff, what happened here? I'm trying to remember, it didn't happen after the acquisition. I know the guy who basically did what I did for the Orgos. Alex Anthony. Alex. Alex. Alex and I are good buddies. Okay. And so I shot with them a bunch last year, including, I didn't do the Grey Cup, but I did do their Grey Cup celebration. Why did you shoot it? With him. That was just an additional Oh, shooter. really? Yeah. Because we worked together. We traded off for like three years Man, now. Man, this is what, okay, so this is what we got to talk about. Because I was, I was listening to some of the other episodes and yeah. I'm like, no one's going to want to know. Oh, yeah, they do. My parents and how they raised me. Like, but that, but that's the fucking shit I'm talking about. So yeah. let's, I'm like, how can I bring value? How can we bring value? Let's talk about the ups and the downs of making something that's fucking awesome like that. Or even like, you tell me why you're shooting with Alex. When I don't get like, you're with MLSC. He's not with MLSC. You're at the Great Cup. Why are you at the Great Cup? Let's, let's just talk. <laughs> let's figure shit out. All right. We'll figure out what we okay. want. That's my favorite part. Because it's, this is my problem. Yeah. Actually, two things. First of all, I started the podcast because I'm used to conducting really long interviews. Yeah. But I'm always leading somewhere. You right? Like that? I like it at work, but sometimes you want to converse just for the sake of conversing. Does that make sense? I, it does. My favorite part of the podcast is typically the second half. And I'll tell you why. At that point, the guest is relaxed. You're relaxed with the guest. The rapport is You've clearly done this yeah. before. You've established the rapport. And that's when it's like, oh yeah, and you knew Monica. Fucking yeah, I knew Monica. Yeah. That's how I got my start at the Marley's. How could you know Monica from the Marley's? And then it's that's like... That's my favorite part too. Yeah. And funny enough, okay, so as everything was being figured out with MLSC, yeah. this stopped, right? I, I didn't do a podcast oh, for like That one episode where you were just like, you know what, let's be honest, things were good, things were shitty. Yeah. I gotcha. Okay. And so... I was like, I just got to figure out what the right move is here mm-hmm. for me to, in order to move forward and get things going. And so this is only the second one we've recorded this year. Oh, how do I, I just want to figure people out. That's all I want. Yeah, all I, I want to do is kind of like... But you got an audience. Get. But you got an audience, man. And if you're doing one. this, it's because you want to build an audience. Well, no. No, I am doing this. Maybe we should actually be like, yeah. Maybe well, maybe. we are recording. Okay, it's a self start. Right? It's always a self start. We're always. If well, you listen to the podcast before, you know it's always a self start. We were talking about MLSC, and I was like, okay, I don't know. Like, we're gonna, so then I, I guess I should pick up my yeah. mic. So, but this is the funny part is uh, I really did the podcast, but you had an audience. And as part of that, you wouldn't be doing this if this is just you having conversations because we'd be at Say What right now. First of all, I love Say What. Yeah, of course you do. Yeah, I love this breakfast. Hello. That's exactly what I'm going to be doing on Saturday morning. But it's twofold. Okay. I realize that I have had the privilege of meeting some really awesome people. Yes. And you're part of that group oh. of, of just really incredible people that I feel have shaped me and I feel are of worth other people knowing. 
Like there's worth there. Percent. Other people meeting the people that I know. Yes. Because a lot of the people I've surrounded myself in this industry have been so helpful and so insightful yeah. and so awesome. So half of it is introducing whoever's listening to the people that I've been so lucky to rub shoulders with. Yes. The second half of it is honestly a mission of self-discovery in myself. And so I set out from the beginning saying, I don't want to worry about numbers. I don't want to worry about audience. I want to do something that is for me because I want to learn how to talk with people and how to go back and forth like this without needing an end game. I want to talk to you because I like you and I know you, not because... I need to get somewhere with it. Okay, as my part of this exchange, I now I see where you're coming from. Mm-hmm. I have an end game. I want to give value to the people that are listening to you, most importantly. So if I spin off into a story about something, I totally want to get into the nitty gritty of like, you know what? I worked in a startup. I worked in a startup and everyone's talking about hashtag startup life. Aren't startups <laughs> yeah, the best? Yeah, yeah. Everyone loves that, right? Because it's startup life. Yeah, sure. I, I've not been paid for six to eight weeks. Because it's a startup. I actually had to hold the toilet seat up while taking a pee in our office building because it was on an angle because it was a startup <laughs> and there was eight of us in a room. So Holy I guess, smokes. So that's what I'm saying, dude. So I come on here and I know I'm coming in hot off the gate. We're not talking about my parents and my upbringing. But what I want to do is I want to leave fire in the tracks behind us. I want to make sure that anyone's listening to this. I'm going to flip this interview back on you too, because you fascinate me. I want to learn more about you, but I want to make sure anyone whose ears are tuned to this, Mm -hmm. they're not checking Twitter and they're not playing, you know, Candy Crush, but they're listening to this and they're tuned to it because I do think in this room right now, I don't know Dylan so well, but if you trust them, I trust them. There's a lot of talent and there's a lot of, there's a lot of value here, a lot of stories. So let's, let's get telling them. So let's start. With a spot where I think we relate. We have a mutual friend, Kevin Mount. Yes. But at first, I didn't know we had that mutual friend. Yeah. So as I said, this podcast, in a sense, is a journey of self-discovery. Great. And I'm kind of figuring myself out as I go along. You started, was, was it literally one piece of art a day? Is yes. that what you told yourself was one yeah. And piece? I didn't advertise it. Maybe in retrospect, I should have because you see a lot of people get success from that model now. Like, But everyone's doing it. It's a 365 song project or whatever it's, it's called. unreal. It's everyone's doing it. And, and you know what? It's great that everyone's doing it because everyone gets better when they do it. I started uh, from a sport. So I have years of design, graphic design, uh, experience design in the tech background. So I've worked with Samsung, Intel, AMD. I'd done all that stuff. And then I was like, you know what? I like this, but I don't totally love it. And so as an outlet, I decided to do, I'm like, what do I love? Well, I love sports. And so I said, well, why don't I marry graphic design and sports? I'll do a piece a day. I got a hunch you can relate to this. I can't look at anything for an extended period of time without ideas popping into my head. Like seriously, I was sitting there. I don't got a lot of hair, but I was getting it cleaned up. And um, (laughs) they had this music video on and it was from another country. I don't know what it was. And so I'm just sitting there watching it. And all I can think of is like, you know, they've got some crazy landscapes and like wide cinematic shots. And then this one scene hit and this character was in a scene. And I'm like, I'm not seeing that character. I'm seeing Tom Brady. I'm seeing Michael Bradley. I'm seeing the athletes in that scene. And so for me, I married the two design and sports. And I said, I want to be a better designer to get to where I need to go. I'm not going to do it if I strictly do my day job. 
And so I did basically one, sometimes two a day. And I think ultimately what happened was it trickled in, and you can correct me, to your feed because that's exactly how the world works. First of all, Matt Sharp on the podcast this week. I did the worst at introductions. And I think that's why I just do a separate introduction at the beginning. Uh, At Daring Sharp on Twitter and Instagram. Dude, I'm back on Instagram now. A month ago. I know. Well, you know what? User number uh, 398 million. I was like, now's the time. Now's the, now's the I, I better crack in. I'm like, you know what? I think it's going to I think it's going to make gonna it stick. I don't think, I think this one's gonna going stick. away. I don't think this one's going away. This exactly yeah. how I came across you was it trickled just by the way networking works yeah. into my timeline. I'm a huge fan of your work. And so if anyone hasn't seen it, I suggest you pause the podcast right now. Don't worry. We'll wait. Okay, you checked it out. Thank you. Matt, Matt's work's unbelievable. And it was just, it was in a tone and a style that sung to me. And so I was like, okay, this is a guy, we were at season three of a, t- uh, a show I was doing, a sports show I was doing. And I was like, I have to get this guy to do all of our artwork. And that's where I realized that my good pal that I worked along with that was a production designer on the show, Kevin Moans, used to live upstairs, downstairs, downstairs. next Literally door. Downstairs. He was at Astral Media at the time and I was at Startup. He, we lived in the same building. He was downstairs from me. He's like, yeah, I know him. I had printed no. off your work and put it in like a makeshift deck because I'm terrible at deck building. Yeah. He's like, oh, this is Matt stuff. I'm like, oh, yeah, you, you, you've heard of him? He's like, dude, I know him. And he's like, he helped me get into the Patriots. Like, you guys really vibed and jammed over yeah. that, which is amazing. And I'm sure we're going to get to them at some point. But well, maybe I, not after the Eagles. Uh well, seeing as though I'm a Falcons fan, yeah, I, I think I think we'll I it. think we're no, no, no. I think we're due. I think you know what the 14 months I've waited has helped heal the wound of what went on, and, no, and we can get come on 28 to three, 28 to three, man, 28 to three. <laughs> I mean, look, I'm, I'm I see David Tyree in that stupid helmet catch on my TV. That's from 2007, and I still go numb. And it's like every time I think he's going to drop it. He's going to drop. No, yeah, he's he's got to win. It can't happen. Brady, Brady put them ahead with two minutes. Anyway, you know what? Diverging. So, but yeah, that's how we met. It was through, it was through Kevin. And so we did the all for one uh, key art. Yep. And I love it because the flip side of that is that's what got me into your work. And so I took, and my awareness of TFC at that point had been middling, mm-hmm. like not, not huge. And, but then watching that show, and it's so funny that you said uh, Hard Docs was something that you really dug too, um, is it's the exact same vibe I got. And not vibe in terms of production values, but watching that show, it was the vibe that I got in terms of, I feel immersed in this narrative now. I feel immersed in these people, in these places. I want to know where they're going. And I think that was right around the time that um, uh, Defoe mm-hmm. was figuring things out. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, he I figured think, it out on the other side of the pond. Yeah, it was, it was right, right at that time yeah. because you had started production on the artwork, and he was gone. He was about to go. Yeah, because that Josie, was it. Josie came in, and he was one of the last additions. Yeah. as we were working through the key art, yeah. and that was the swap. That was Jermaine went out the door. Oh, and really? Just, so you were right there. Oh, I see. That's I see, like I see. that benchmark in time. Yeah. Also benchmarks your beginning to to really surround yourself in Toronto FC. Yeah, that's awesome. And it was a good time because obviously now I pay a little bit more attention to them and they've been on that upward trajectory. Trajectory. Although 
Where do you go from here? I don't know. You, you had the best the best season in in league history. Uh, yeah. You you accomplished three trophies, which no one has ever done before. Uh, and then you set yourself up to do better. Do what? I, no, mean, I don't know. Is is like I don't know. You tell me, Patriots fan. What's it like setting yourself up for unrealistic expectations well, I'll, I'll, and then crushing it again? I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what happens. What happens is um, appreciation turns to expectation and everyone's miserable. It's like, even when you win, everyone's like, yeah, Adam Brady, that's what you're supposed to do. That's what you're supposed to do, Belichick. Can you imagine if the city of Buffalo, I mean, obviously, the city of Buffalo would be in mourning because it'd be their fifth. But if they made it to the Super Bowl and lost with two minutes left, they'd be like, you know what? What a season. What a season. What a team. We'll celebrate them in 10 years' time. They really, they came close. Meanwhile, they put on any Patriots newscast now and it's like, um, how do these failures ever fail so hard? And how right. do we get them out of town? How do we get Brady out and Garoppolo back in? It's the most spoiled, entitled, but... It's a weird culture, though. So something to look forward to it's as a, a Toronto FC fan. It's, it's a weird culture, isn't it? And, and I'm waiting for um, the tides to turn on the Raptors side. As you said, that we get so used to winning, and that's a really weird thing to say in Toronto yes. if you've been a longtime Toronto sports fan. Um, you we get used to winning, and then it's like, oh well, why didn't Demar throw up thirty six points? And you're like, come on, man, come on. Appreciation goes, expectation emerges, and it all goes to shit. <laughs> Not to be the downer, but, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but just to give you a window of where Toronto sports is going. <laughs> so I'm gonna go back to you're watching this music music video with incredible, uh, yes, wide uh, landscapes. Yep. So you decided to marry some of the best photography I think that I get to see with design. But really, what I get from your work is a feeling. Like you, that's really... It's a continuation of the story. So whenever I sit down for a meeting, and usually when we do like a proper intro, I always say, you know, I believe every, every team, every league, every player has uniquely impactful stories worth telling. My work just aims to share them. That's what I do. So like you said, um, you know, you can get these incredible photos, which are that place in time. But beneath that, what really draws it out, and I think what you would agree adds to the photo, um, and ultimately what I look to extrapolate on, is the emotion. And it's when you see somebody kind of gazing off to the side with a slight look of like hesitation, capturing that moment's one thing, but capturing that and then curating an environment around it that really places the focus there. That's what I love. Because that's what, I mean, and you see it in movie posters. They've got, you know, what's called the airplane test. You've got to be able to, somebody's rushing to make a plane. You've got to punch them between the eyes. Otherwise, they're not going to give you a second look. You walk downtown, yeah, you got scale with the posters. But there's a million billboards. you got to be the one that's Doctor Strange. That has this crazy near holographic look to it and totally sucks you in. And how can you not want to create that? I love working with teams doing it. And that's why we had so much fun with the, the TFC piece. And I love the challenge of, of creating ones that last. Because anyone can do cool. Cool is an exercise in technique. Cool is an exercise in, I'm going to make the uh, colors highly saturated, vibrant. It's going to get clicks and we'll see where it goes. Talent and effectiveness is doing something that tells the story, delivers on those results. But then you look back 18 months later and you're like, man, you think of that Jordan photo. You know the one of him where he's outstretched and he's got the basketball in his head? Yeah, everybody in here is nodding. That was shot, what, 20, 25 years ago? You know why everyone remembers it? Because it's so good. It didn't play to the style. It didn't play to an immediate pop. 
it lasted. And that's what I like doing. I love working with teams and this is why I think we get along and it's why I've reached out to you a bunch of times, like unsolicited, like, look, dude, rate's not my, <laughs> rate's, rate's not my concern. No. Rate's not my concern. Let's make something that's just fucking awesome. Right. Exactly. And so who wouldn't want to do that? It's like the best job in the world. So I got my start in photography, actually. I never mm-hmm. picked up a video camera. <laughs> Better not say this. Uh, I never picked up a <laughs> video camera until shortly before I did my first documentary. Okay. And and I had to figure it out. And I was like, oh, thankfully, I, I picked up a stills camera and I kind of understand composition. But as we entered the digital age, because all of my first cameras were all film cameras, this is the way I interpret photography, and I think you do this really well with your design side, is that the photograph is like a sketch. It's like a pencil sketch, okay. and that gives me my framing, that gives me my subject, that gives me the raw tools, but now I don't do anything like what you do, but I do bring things into, whether it's Photoshop or whether it's Lightroom, yeah. to bring focus to where I want it to be, mm-hmm. and I call that coloring. Like that, that That's the paint. That's interesting. Right? That's the richness. That's the richness. And with it, that's where you draw attention. That's where you evoke a mood or 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 a setting or an atmosphere. And it's all in those things that you you pick up. You see someone glancing to the side, and I might read that as he's contemplating his future. Mm -hmm. You might read that as it's a moment of silent prayer, of thanks. Someone else might read that as it's a storm cloud over his head. Yeah. But that's where I love the second, the, the design side, because that's when you can really say, this is what I see. We can all have the same sketch that we're working with. We can all have the same photo. Yeah. But you're going to feel something different than I feel. And then our job now is to get someone else to feel it the way we feel it. Yeah. And, and that method applies also to... To film, and I, one of the most valuable, the simplest things I was ever taught was, if you want that shot of like someone on a boat sailing away from home, and and, and they're looking longingly at what was or what could have been, you ask the actor, you don't tell them what it is, but you say concentrate really hard and try to guess what time it is. Seriously, that is the best piece of advice, and the really? reason being is all you have to do is truly show someone making the mind work. Yeah. And then with the music I add in. Interpretation and will follow. Exactly. Ah. And then as humans, what we do is we fill the empty void mm-hmm. with what pieces we have around us. Yeah. So that might be music and everything might be a little blue or a little desaturated. So we're like, oh, this is not a warm, rich time. This is a cold goodbye Right, the lines that may have preceded it or, or might be coming after help add to that as well. Yeah, all you have to do is get your sketch, your subject, to truly look like they're thinking. And then what we're going to do as the viewer is we're going to fill that void as to what they're thinking 100%. about. So you know what the viewer is doing then? They're engaged. They're engaged. They're engaged, and that's it. That's all it is. I don't care whether you're doing a digital campaign. I don't care whether you're doing a video. You know, like a, a docu series. Mm-hmm. They're engaged. And it's like we talked about earlier with Hard Knocks, with, with All for One. You get immersed in the narrative and the characters. You are engaged. And that, especially now, and I feel like I'm saying this every five years, but with different compartments to it, mm-hmm. with Facebook, with Snapchat, with all of these things competing for your attention, to be engaged, there is so much value there. 
And that's why when people say, well, you know, why can't I can just outsource this to 99 designs or something else for, you know, 20 bucks. And it's like certain cases. Yeah, 100 percent. I would, too. But if you want to create an engaging piece, if you want to tell a story, if you want to tell your story. Nah, there's I mean, that's where you that's where you get into the fun stuff. I love it. It's the only thing I do where I have to stop myself. I could do 21 hour days and I would just run myself into the ground, but I could do it because I just fucking love it. I you, love it. That's what you feed off of. Yeah. That, that's where the energy comes off of. It's it's innate. It's in yeah. you and you see it. I'd like to think some <laughs> projects radiate it. Yeah. Some projects radiate it. You feel it. And creating something like that, putting it out and knowing it has its knowing it has its purpose, but knowing it's giving you purpose. I don't care what you do. I don't care if you're a filmmaker. I don't care if you're a designer. I don't care if you're doing audio. You're an audio engineer. Man, that's everything. Where does that bug come from? I feel if you create for yourself, you can get very self-indulgent. If I created for myself, I would, instead of posting to a design blog, it would be basically in the equivalent of my drawer. And I wouldn't be pushed because if I created for myself, nobody would look at it and say, hey, Matt, I mean, even the TFC campaign, hey, Matt, um, the background watercolor looks more like a portal than it does a supportive texture. Can you can you address that? Yeah, I can. If I created for myself. I have no idea what that means, but it sounds really good. That was part of the feedback on the all for one campaign. (laughs) But the thing was, though, I create because, yeah, you're right. It feels good. But the second part of that is equally important is that it reaches an audience. And that it plays in. That's what we were talking about when we sat down in here. I love your idea of a self-discovery. I love the idea of us sitting down and chatting. I think it's awesome. But the reality is we could do this in a pub. But you're not. You're putting it out there. And you're putting it out there to an audience. And there's that second part of it. So how do we spin that? And, and therein lies the challenge. Because it's so easy to not do that. And to write it off and be like, yeah, it's work. But it's not work. There's a skill in that. To where you keep that genuity of the conversation and the narrative. And then you frame it in a way that others can become engaged with. It's kind of, I'm going to call it the anti-George Lucas, <laughs> just because he went from being what I wished, like, my legacy, like, I wish I followed in the Lucas family legacy, but then he went from being this great thing to being like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just going to go over here and do things for myself now. Yeah. And then there has been reports, It can nothing can be confirmed, but he has dumped millions of dollars into productions that only get played in his house. Yeah, which is wild. It's Citizen Kane, really, it, in a way. Yeah. It is. It's Xanadu. It's like, look, I'm I'm bringing in a hundred thousand cast members to stage my recreation of the Civil War. No one will see it but me. That's what's called fuck you money. It's it like, is, well, it's no, it's called money. fuck yourself money. So is the idea then that that piece inside of us that's willing to create is really something that's willing to relate? What we're trying to do is is build bridges between us and other people. Yeah, and by being able to create a creative bridge, we're saying you feel something and I feel something and in this moment we can feel the same thing. And we're better off for it. Right. Well, especially in a climate right now that seems to be putting up, pardon the pun, walls, right, and dividing people, I believe we're better off for it, for for trying to reach out and find those commonalities and see really at the basis of anything, of everything, how can you and I see the same thing at the same time. And it's so interesting that you touch on that. I I find one of the things I struggle with is I can put out content that I know will get what I'll call an immediate pop. I know I can put something out and it'll be shared everywhere, but it'll be a kind of a hollow style. And what I mean by that is it's just bright, saturated colors. Maybe a player is exploding. It's artificial emotion. 
versus the more kind of contemplative pieces where you feel like there's a little bit more of a story there and you're like, yeah, I mean, yes, it's not yelling at you, but there's something here. And I really, that's any artist. It's designing for the market versus designing for yourself. And I find I kind of struggle with that uh, balance sometimes because you need the market. Like I hate, I see so many artists who are so talented and they're like, well, you know, I'm designing for myself. And again, they have their drawer full of manuscripts and it's great. But the reality is if it's not reaching anybody, I mean, it's an exercise in self-development, but that's not why I do it. I don't do it for self-development. I do it for me and I do it for other people and to widen that. And I find it really, really tricky when you know a content piece will move, but it doesn't, like you said, resonate in this time. When it just bounces off somebody, it gets them, it gets a tap, a click, Mm -hmm. but nothing more. How do you balance the immediate KPIs of I need to be relevant, I need to be shared, I need to have followers, I need to have these things against the long term, which I kind of lean more towards KPI of I want to do great work and tell stories and I want to make sure people give a shit. Hello, welcome to my conundrum in the last three months. Uh, Welcome to everyone's conundrum who's taking their work seriously. You worded it perfectly because you want to reach people, but you realize you need people to reach. And that ends up being the trade-off. You have to be in the social landscape. Now, I am a bit of an idealist, and I believe in that idea that if you keep doing what you love, someone else will love it too. And, and that was that goes back to really, even when I started in television, the idea of creating for an audience of one. I like an audience of 500. I like, the, I like an audience of... 1.5 million or whatever all well, of course, its of course season. yeah I like that too but the idea that and one ends up being your demographic right one one ends up being who whose heart are you trying to touch and, and when we flick through channels on television one might be geared towards one demographic one might be geared towards males 45 and over one might be geared to kids you know 12 to 18. But if you can reach that one person that exists in there, then you're reaching a group, then you're identifying, and then you are building a relationship. Have you read, um, I think it's Kevin Kelly, it's a, a Thousand True Fans, or it's an essay, and um, and it's basically exactly what you just mentioned. If you can really reach and resonate with that group, you'll be self-sustaining. And this whole model is predicated on exactly what you just mentioned, which is you get your Thousand True Fans, and you let the rest take out care of itself. Because you'll always have ripples, to varying degrees. And, and that's how you kind of can establish that short-term stability and really uh, relevance against your long-term goals. Now, have you explored any of the crowdfunding? That's what I yeah. think of right away. Yep. And and Dylan actually was the one who brought it up. He's like, oh, do you know that podcasts go on Patreon and and, and they, they get their, their follower base or their listener base there and then they can provide some sort of support and then receive gifts in return. And honestly, I remember one of the first one of the first solo gigs I got to produce some video content was for a band who wanted a Kickstarter campaign. And I ended up doing a pro bono music video for them, which is just a combination of a bunch of live appearances. Yep. And you know, this, that, and the other, so they can kind of get their their album finished or over a certain line. Have you explored crowdfunding? Because I've seen great success and I've seen people who, let's say, don't stay on top of it. Yeah, because um, the one question I get asked a lot is, do you sell your prints? And I've avoided that because um, I go through, like, for example, 
I have a partnership with a group uh, based out of Montreal called Armory Steel. And we do prints with Steph Curry, Tom Brady, like really limited collectibles, like one of one signed items. You didn't know that. I did. It might be, I wish this was, you could see my face right now. Okay. Because that's incredible. Um, that's right up my alley. One of ones is like my life. Well, yeah, we just, very fortunate. There's a market there. We just sold actually both the Curry and the Brady one of one, signed one of one have sold. Brady's was in the lead up to the Super Bowl. And man, I can't go, you know, as an aside, the money, the thousands that they go for, it's like, one went to a private collector in New York, the Curry. Uh, I don't know who purchased the Brady one. I didn't have that information. Kevin. Um, yeah. <laughs> Kevin, our, our friend or Brian, is also a Or Brian, fan, his yeah. brother. Um, but uh, so in terms of me doing that, so I work with groups like that. And the reason I do that is because the overhead is so high with securing licensing. And I actually explored doing that. Uh, it was initially with the Canadian Football League. We had early talks about, this would have been two years ago, doing a series wherein it'd be a, you know, signed prints limited to six to 10, very limited run. And we'd sell them off. And, and that kind of introduced me to the pricing system behind basically renting out the league's logos, permissions, you know, resulting photography, man, that's a monster. And you touched on it earlier about the price of sports photography and it's justified Mm -hmm. because I'll tell you this, when you find a good sports photographer, you hold on to them and you hug them because they are hard to find. And 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 that is not to deter anyone from going out and trying their hand at it. No, it's the opposite. Get it, out there because we need better people. We need so <laughs> much better because there are people being paid considerable amounts of money that, that I would consider average on good days. And I might hire them to do like an after hours event. But I mean, and so the price there, you know, and you touched on it, it's so expensive that's just for editorial use. Never mind the sub-licensing you need to spin it into a creative for-profit work. It's incredibly expensive. And so I looked at it and, and this relates back to crowdfunding because one of the avenues that was suggested to me and that I explored was crowdfunding it and saying, look, I'm going to secure the league licenses. I'm going to do this. But even then, um, I can tell you for the NFL, it's not even that you're paying for the licenses. It's that you have to have a certain amount of equity in hand so that if things go sideways with your business, they have it to claim against their bills. Uh, it's the same with the Canadian football. It's just so wildly expensive. And I looked at it and I said, um, is this really going to be worth biting it off, having basically the equivalent of a venture capital funding model backed by 500 people who are my pseudo shareholders who need to be rewarded for this. And then of course I've got to turn around and I got to make money. I've, I've worked with printing groups. I've actually had groups reach out to me and I say no to all of, just about all of them. Armory steel was the one I said yes to because I don't know about you, man. Everybody wants to put my shit on magnets. They want to put it on. No one ever wants to put my videos on magnets. Well, I, 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 I would I, like I, to see them yeah, try. I'm um, totally down. But uh, I mean, I, uh, I pillowcases, all kinds of stuff. And it's just, I don't want to do it. It's crap. And so I've yet to have a group come to me and say, you know, we can handle the printing requirements you need. We'll help offset, you know, for profit share, the league, the licenses. And, you know, we'll go into this together and who want to do it above board in terms of the quality of the product. Cause I won't do it. I've always believed this. I will not put a magnet out there. I will not put some piece of junk. In fact, I had to ship out prints. Um, I had a couple Unfortunately, a couple NFL players reached out. We did some commissions and I had one where I was all ready to ship and he was going to send me three back that were signed for me to distribute. And one of them just got 
a little nicked. I looked at it and just tore it up. And I'm like, I cannot send that out if it's not 100%. And it's the same reason. So long answer, the punchline is to your short question is it has not been worth it. And um, it, it's, it's just, it's a big, big bite to take if you want to get into that model. Now, you know what I'd love to do though? You know what my, yeah, my white whale, I've got Tom Brady's my, you know, my favorite athlete. Mm-hmm. Patrick Waugh was my other growing up. I've got, too. So, so, okay. So I've got something lined up with Waugh where Waugh's going to do a signing of my work. I did Brady. So I've got shots of Brady signing where that's great. I want to do a sports card for one of the mains because I grew up collecting upper deck yeah. uh, tops, um, you know, and now Panini with their football stuff. I would love to do a sports card. I just think it would be the funnest thing in the world. We should put our heads together and see who. who oh man, we I have. wish somebody had reached out to you a few occasions and was like, "How can we make this work? What can we do together?" Oh, man, okay, I'm let's look, make I was magic. Figuring stuff out. It takes time. No oh, man, it takes it takes energy. Ta- yes, time and 100%. energy. Because let me be your I co time. Let I, me be your co energy. I know. <laughs> I have done some specific work with card companies in the past, uh, two in particular, that I think we can go find some some mutual contacts or go and make a pitch. Let's get a really wicked project. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, if, if let's make money, <laughs> then let's not do sports. Let's, <laughs> yeah. let's, go to, let's go to another industry. Let's just, you know what? They can totally pay me in Contra if the Contra is like a week away. Oh, I know. If if they can just get us a nice little hut somewhere, you can bring your family down. Oh, I don't have a family, so we'll bring a couple friends and we can just relax. I would accept that right now (laughs) as as payment if anyone can help out. Not that I'm complaining. I love being busy, but sometimes it just kicks you. It's it's funny, though, and I talked with Kevin about this, too. Sports is just this weird, naive beast when it comes to the creative field in that, so I come from tech and um, I work with Zynga, an amazing company. We create these awesome games. And to say that there is a gap between tech and the money circulating in tech and the budgets we work with and the day-to-day and sports, sports is just, you're in it because you love it. Sports pays on average six, and I feel confident saying this, uh, 60, maybe 50 to 70% of tech for relatable roles. I know creative directors at different companies in basketball and in hockey, like a bunch, and they make what some senior ADs will make at a tech firm. And it's astonishing. Now, why do you think it is? And I'll tell you what I can relate it to is, is when we do commercial work, when we like sell our soul and like, okay, XYZ brand, I'm going to come in and we're going to do a commercial for you. And you are usually making, um, double to triple rate, uh, when you go and do commercial work. And one of the inside jokes is always because you have creative people talking with non-creatives, right? Where, where they're just trying to throw money at a problem. You're paying the, the, the therapist bills right, for exactly. results. They're, yeah. they're just trying to throw oh, yeah. money at a problem and you're just scooping it up and saying, yeah. sure, no problem. We'll turn on the camera. Now, granted, it is if you're in it to go make money, all the power to you and mm-hmm. I'm happy for you, but it kind of ends up being soulless work after a while. Does the tech industry, is it throwing money at a problem that innately in, in a technical oriented person, 
generally doesn't relate the same way to things as a creative person? I don't know if I'd go down that avenue. Tech is a lot more competitive and the giants who are giants in tech have a lot more money than some of most of the giants in sports. I love tech. I love working at Zynga. I love what I do because I work in the ads division and I don't work on the same thing every day. I get to work with Netflix, NBC. I get to work with high quality key art, very smart PMs. Um, and so I, I enjoy it. However, with sports, I really do think they bank on, if you walk out that door, six other people who grew up watching the Leafs, the Canadians, the Raptors, the Patriots, the Cowboys are going to walk in and say, you don't even have to pay me. I will totally work for free. I will do, and I've, I've seen it. I, no word of a lie, have been told to my face in contract negotiations that you aren't that special. We can find a thousand other people to fill your role. Yeah, that's usually exhibit A to get the hell away from it. And then I go, saying it. Okay, cool. Well, my, my, my. My side's still my side, right? Because in the end, yeah. we still have to pay our bills. I'm sorry, Toronto is not a cheap place to live. Yeah, I know. Right? We we still need to pay our bills. And, and it's a funny approach, but that exists in the sports world. Just like you said, that they know there's passionate people out there. There are talented people out there. They know they can find that combination in sports because it's a breeding ground for passionate people. There's no substitution. I just hired a designer and contrary to sports, the application count was high. Like we had 300, 400 applications that we were going through. Um, but in the end, they weren't going to be paid what a sports designer was. They weren't coming in with that same offer of I'll take less. And, and to your point, it's funny you mentioned, you know, someone saying, well, you know, you're not special. I, I've got to the point where when it comes to negotiating, I completely remove any substance to any extracurricular comments that are made outside of the dollars and cents because everyone just wants leverage. They want leverage if they can get it by hurting your feelings, if they can flip side, and I'm sure you have this too. I've had this. Matt, we love your work. You're the best ever. Completely. You, I will hoist you on my shoulders and we can't, you know, obviously we don't have a lot of money right now, but it'll be great exposure and we'll all win. And it's like, wait, sorry, that last part, about not having money. No, not the shoulder part, the money part. Um, I'm not in this. If, if I was in it for the money, I wouldn't touch sports. I would mm-hmm. never touch sports. No. But I fucking love it. I love it. And so I don't need to make mint. I don't need to break that on sports. That's fine. But when you come in at five cents on the dollar and you gloss over it or you try to introduce some attitude around that, you know, I love sports, but sports is not a roof over my head. I was working with a great account or I'm still working on a a project with a great account manager that understood the value of product and the budget of their client. Because as we get in these meetings and I don't know how it works for you, but on for me, when I get inside a creative meeting, I am pitching the moon every time, even though, even though the budget might just be Albuquerque, I am pitching the moon every time. Not that I need all the money, but I just want to do the biggest, greatest, grandest thing. I will verify to anyone who's listening who questions Clay's genuity. He cares. He's not, you're, you, you, you're pitching the moon. You're going beyond budget and you would make it happen. Sorry, man. I cut I, you no, off. No, it's all good. No, you, you do we it had an, We had a great account manager that like really reined us in. And sometimes that's what you need. And that's how I yeah. tell everyone all the time. 
it's not a one man show. Like the people you surround yourself with are so important. And here was an account manager that was brought onto this team who was the perfect balance that said, guys, 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 I love where we're heading here. The client's not paying for that. Mm-hmm. And, and in the nicest, most sincerest way, it, it's use your ingenuity and use your experience and use your talent, but use it within the realm that we're existing because off your point, if they're paying five cents on the dollar, they're not getting an ultra elite $20,000 print. No. They're, they're getting what is to scale for what's good for them because if they aren't, then you are the guy that's giving away top tier well, product and you would no one go else. You're an Audi dealership and say, my budget's $12,000. What can we work out? And they had bring out an Audi tricycle. <laughs> right? They're like, and they're like, you it, know, but it's got no wheels. There's a, yeah, it's got blinkers. <laughs> and you're like, but I wanted a car. I and know. it's interesting that yeah. this is the only business that people really think they can really barter like that. Well, and, and even in ads, you see people complain all the time about spec work. And you've all seen those videos in that. The reality is, though, you secure a contract with Procter & Gale, or like really any of the mains in advertising, you're doing okay. So you talk about RFPs and and the hit rate, I don't know, whatever people's hit rates are and requests for proposals, 5%, whatever. The reality is there's gold at the end of that rainbow. Whereas in sports, there's a set of tickets, there's some team swag, and you're in the 500s. If we're done with the same team, they promised me a set of tickets that I didn't even get. (laughs) And I'm like, that's the easiest thing you can give me. I know. It's just a set of tickets. I'll drive out and I'll make the trip. I just want to go to a game. Well, I, I love it. And, and that's, see, that's where, I mean, I guess in the short term, you learn who not to work with. But it's like, how can you not manage that? But so you touched on the account manager, which is interesting because I think it kind of relates to our earlier conversation with respect to the podcast where, you know, yeah, you would totally go off, but there's got to be some parameters. There's got to be some parameters like KP at key performance indicators with respect to audience, whatever. There's just got to be something to anchor yourself on. Otherwise, you can go spinning in the clouds. And I had a project recently with uh, MLSE. We did the executive lounge opening and we did a bunch of uh, framed prints for the lounge. And the project was fantastic. And I worked with a very talented PM, Amy Levine. So we did this project and uh, we hit a point where I was looking at the work I'd been doing and I was like, and she'd mentioned, you know what, we're going to get this done on a metallic uh, stock. And I was looking at it and I'm like, you know, this is very like digital illustration. I'm like, what if we went on like a canvas? Because I know it'll work. And she's like, I hear you and I get you, but I think this will translate well. So anyway, I actually, just yesterday, I was at a, a printer and they showed me the stock and they showed me a sample of what some of the works and she was totally right. Hmm. And she was totally right. And I love it. And I love that she was right. And I'll tell you why, because I love working. It's what we talked about earlier with talented people. Mm-hmm. And I love, um, throughout the process, she was, God, turning into testimonial, but fantastic. Like always mm-hmm. replying quickly, which showed that she cared. And what I love about that is the next time I get an email in my inbox from like Amy Levine saying, look, terrible deadlines, no win situation. I'm I'm even hesitant to ask. I will take that project because I have faith in the person behind it 10 times out of 10 versus actually I had one recently with a big broadcaster in the States. And it was like, we want to do this series. And it was just so open-ended and having had an experience of, I've only had one project ever ever as a freelancer that went off the rails Mm. and it was because there was broken process behind it. 
So now I look at that. When I got someone I can trust, this is what I was saying. I like working with you. When I have someone I can trust, I will double down on that. I will be in their corner in the worst possible circumstance, whereas others, far more hesitant. Dylan, actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna close the loop a little bit more and show you guys how you two relate. We spoke how when you came on in the timeline of everything with All for One, yep. Dylan came on for season three. That's when that's when Dylan yeah. and I our paths first crossed. Is I hired him to to come in and help uh, a lot on the post side, and then later he came on more of the production side, but more on the post side, and that's when we first crossed paths. I told him at the beginning though, and I tell everyone I work with. I say, I enjoy conflict. And not that I enjoy insulting you or no. belittling you. No, productive conflict. I enjoy me bringing the best idea to the table and you have to beat it, yep. right? I want you with your talent and your skill set and your experience to come and beat my idea because I'm not tied to it being my idea I'm tied to whatever the best idea is. And as we keep circling around the name Kevin and our mutual friend, that's why he and I always work so well together Mm -hmm. because we'll sit down and no one cares who came up with it first. It's not about sitting in a meeting and putting on a tie in a stuffy room and saying, well, um, it was me who came up with this. I don't care. It's what can we do together to come up with the best idea? What stock do we put it on? To make it look the best, what color combination do we use? What photos do we use? And how do we vibe off each other? And that is the whole reason why I got into this industry is just to vibe with people and and sharpen each other and improve each other and learn off each other and put out freaking wicked work. I didn't get into it to wear nice clothes or to make lots of money. Yeah. All I want to do is vibe with people, and and that's what's really neat about you, and I'm so glad we've stayed in touch over the years. And and when you find that groove in that section, that's when you know that you're in the right spot Mm -hmm. because you found the right people around you, and they're so important. The people are everything. I've worked for the last four years with the University of Guelph Griffins football team and, and Bill Brown and Stu Lang, and they're doing things that no other school in really Canada is doing when it comes to developing, and it's the same thing. It's... We get to do the coolest things together, but we all see it the same way and we'll kick the shit out of an idea. And we'll say, you know, I'll bring something to the table and I'll say, this is this, this is this. They vet it. They come back. Ah, let's do, you know, and when you get that, it's like, you know, the whole thing, pressure creates the diamond, all that stuff. But it's true. It's when no one takes it personally. And people always take that like, well, that gives me permission to be a dick. And I'm really glad you clarified. I find a lot of people are like, uh, it's like they're acting out a role to play the role of a creative. Like, yes, I'm going to defend my idea and I'm going to be a jerk about it, not because the idea, whatever. And you sniff them out right away. You don't get it. Yeah. Because you're trying too hard. This is just a pile on process where we're all piling on ideas. And at the end, the best one comes out. I, no, I interrupt no. you. My no, no, I'm bad at that. Conflict's not a final act. It's the process. It's the process. It's part of it. And I think all the, sometimes people hear conflict and they think of you this, you, or not even you, but like this, this, and that tone. No, sometimes conflict's just, I think this. Well, I think this. Okay, mm-hmm. let's see what we can do together. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, there's so much value because when you find those people, those are the ones you want to surround yourself with. And those are the ones you want to let yourself keep in touch with going forward Because if you're going to make something, because if you love doing it, and if you want the people receiving it to love engaging with it, 
you have to do it with like-minded folks. You cannot do it with individuals who are there to play the hierarchy, who are there to play the budget card, who are there to, you know, basically treat it like a nine to five. It's sometimes you're in those situations, but you know, that's not it. You want like-minded individuals. My favorite words in a meeting is what if we tried this? Yeah. And that's a way to be, first of all, in, in a sense, combative, but at the same time, it, you're, you're doing it in a really disarming way. Mm-hmm. And it's because someone's like, oh, well, we need a shot. We need a shot of someone putting a stick of chewing gum in his mouth. And then you say, what if we tried this? That's how you add Because it becomes alive. Exactly. It becomes, it stops being my idea that I put on the paper and it starts being, yeah, we'll do this. And as the, it's an evolution of the idea and then it turns into this and then somebody else. That's when you know you're in a good spot creatively, in a good room creatively with a good group when someone else times it with this. And all of a sudden what you have is not some Frankenstein, you know, uh, designed by committee approach, which typically results from people faking that role. What you have is this fluid and really genuine end piece mm-hmm. that you can get behind. And I've been part of projects where we didn't have that, where we've ended up at the Frankenstein. Um, and again, it just really makes you cherish and really enjoy the opposite side of that fence that much more. Now, I want to pivot for a second. I want to look into the entertainment world. And I want to get your opinion because I I don't understand concept. It's weird that I say this, but I am very visual. I'm a visual learner. I'm spatial when I write things or when when I present things. The concept side is always really intriguing to me. And so as we we're entering into 2018... I'm curious on the in the entertainment world, whether it's film or whether it's television or whatever, is there anything that you've really appreciated? There, there must be, because you have an eye for concept and for, for bigger ideas. I, I'm interested because that, the, these are places that you can shed light on and experience on that I wouldn't see it the same way as you. Um, I'm, I'm going to take a more macro approach to that in, in terms of... Uh, I love anyone who's telling a story. And what I mean by that is in sports, so much in sports is, and I know you said entertainment. Um, so sports much is in, entertainment. It, it is. Yes. Well, especially W um, actually I was going to say WWE, their presentation's always been phenomenal. Hmm. So them, um, to be honest, um, world wrestling entertainment, they, from a production standpoint, design standpoint, whether it be on the web digital, and this isn't just now, this is for the last 15 years. They are, their stuff's always outstanding. The number of times I've said, look, we're going to do this video. The few times I've been involved in a video project, I'm like, if you want guidance, go back and look at videos that the WWE produced in the late 90s, wherein they'd be recapping a month's worth of television storylines in 90 seconds as a lead into the pay-per-view, and they would do it. I love people who know how to succinctly tell a story like that and who keep a consistent look and feel to where you're seeing a different story, you're seeing different characters, but there's that thread of the brand that's woven in there. It's why I love the All for One series. It's why I love um, MLSE with respect to sports organizations are one of the best. Um, also one of the biggest, and I don't think that's an accident. I think the best and really the only groups telling effective participating in effective storytelling in sports tend to be larger ones who have the money to finance a staff who knows how to put things together. I think their work's fantastic. In terms of other brands, I, you know, it's funny with, with Marvel, you see their posters everywhere. 
all of their posters, they're the new Star Wars posters because each one of them is different. If you break them down comp-wise, there's certain principles at work there. But when you see a Marvel poster, there's a feel to it. It's the characters and it's not the red logo mark in the lower left-hand corner or what have you. But there's a vibe to it. And again, there it is again. Different characters, different story, different movie being advertised. But there's that thread of the Avengers. There's an energy Marvel, the work they're doing with their assets and their key art, I think um, they've been so good. And and it's almost, and I'm going to go a bit long in this one because I was thinking about this one, you know, uh, you know, a, a group that rightfully gets a lot of praise, Patrick Clare and Elastic, um, the work they've done with the opening for, you know, way back to Detective, but more recently Westworld, you know, things like that. I almost feel like Elastic's work is starting to overwhelm the individual, like the brand thread is becoming a brand club. And from the extended tracking and the all caps to the type of music, it's all brilliant. Don't get me wrong. But now you watch something and you feel like I'm watching a Patrick Clare slash Elastic co-production opening versus where it was before when everyone said, wasn't too detective amazing. Mm -hmm. It's become a little bit more... On uh, you know the characters and the stories aren't getting the focus, but anyway, that was just a brief aside. Uh, I love that you went with elastic, and I think we can carry this conversation. Yeah, I'm sure on we could. for at least an hour. Yeah. after the microphones go. But off. we did it, man. Do we give value? We said we said we were going to come in. We were going to give value. I feel like we gave value. My parents, by the way, are wonderful people who raised me right out of a very loving family just across the... From and where? Th- from we, Hamilton. From Ham- From You're a Hamilton ah! boy. I didn't grow Woo! up in it. I, I moved there when I was eight. I also said, I was talking to my mom on the phone this morning. I mentioned I was doing this. I said I would give her a shout out. We'll see if she listens to the end. Hi, mom. And hi, dad. Because dad will say, why do you give your mom a shout out? I, you know, I'm the one who bought you all those cars. Well, fine. Hi, dad. I love you too. And I love my wife and I love... See, this gets long. But... I think we brought a lot of value to people. We told some good stories and man, let's just, let's do something. Seriously, let's shake the world. Let's just grab the fucking stem and like, let's see what we can do in our time here. I'm, I'm, I'm a sucker for good ideas. I'm a sucker. I will chase a good idea for, I'm a sucker for great execution. So just like that. And that's how it starts. Actually, I was listening to another, it's funny. I was listening to one of my other favorite podcasts. Um, Which one? A while ago, Nerdist. Uh, it's now now called Rename the ID10T yeah. podcast. Yep. And Chris Hardwick yep. was interviewing uh, the head of Blumhouse Films. And here they sat on it. And it was just like haphazardly brought up that, it, that the head of Blumhouse said, hey, if you ever had an idea, we totally produce it. And he's like, oh, that's really nice of you. He's like, no, 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 I'm dead serious. And he's like, well, I have been developing a script. And sure enough, they the, the the podcast went off. Like It came to its natural conclusion. They stayed and they spoke together for much long afterwards. And this film is now in development. And I love, the, I, I love bringing people together. And I love introducing people I know and I've been lucky to be around with other people I'm now meeting through this medium, through the podcast medium. Yeah. So let's create something amazing. At the same time, let's make sure everyone sees the something amazing. Yes. At Daring Sharp on Twitter and Instagram with Sharp an E. Sharp with an E. Sharp with an E. Daringboy.com. Daringboy. Is it still going? Daringboy.com is the actual name of the business. Of that, the, that, oh, that I run behind. With .com on it too? Daringboy.com is my site. It's the business name. Yeah, that's my business name. And, um, and I can't wait for the next part. Because I want to tell you something, man. I love veggies. I love celery. Yeah. I, I have celery, 
carrots. I tell it to my kids. And when they complain, I'm just like, no, veggies are amazing. I can eat veggies all day. We got to get out of here. Yeah. We're, we're, we're chewing up time. And I want to tell everyone, please, please, please be good to yourselves. And eat your vegetables. That's ha, the first ha, time ha. it's worked this organic. It's amazing. That's the thing, man. We're going to go viral. Viral. <laughs>